I was listening to all this news and it was a lot to process. I was like, wow, that could happen to anybody, any one of us in this classroom, you know, and your mind starts rolling. Like, what would I do? You know, what could have been done beforehand? And then you start thinking about all these first responders that are running in and trying to make a difference. And, you know, um, it took me a little bit, like a little while afterwards. And it was almost like a, I think I could do a little bit more than what I'm doing now. I liked what I was doing. I liked teaching. I still do. But it felt like there was still something lacking. I think that was like a little light switch that kind of came on. Firehouse Logbook Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Dawson, and this is episode 19, or the third of the series of three, where I sat down and talked with some of the younger members of the fire service, uh, recent graduates of Chesterfield's uh, recruit schools. In this episode with Liz Fuentes, uh, get to hear a little bit about her story and what motivated her to become part of the fire and EMS uh, community uh, when she was living down in South Florida and how she wound up in Central Virginia at Chesterfield. Uh, so it's an interesting story, interesting backstory on Liz and uh, how she became part of the fire service family. And with that, please welcome Lisette or Liz Fuentes, firefighter paramedic with Chesterfield Fire and EMS. Lisette, let, did they call you Lise? Or Lisa? Or Liz. Liz. Yeah, Liz right. is fine. Yeah, I was talking with um, Jesse this afternoon. Huckins? Huckins, yeah. yeah. He and I trained jiu-jitsu together. Oh. Yeah, and his, he and his girlfriend, he's, I met his girlfriend today for the first time. Holly? She's, yeah. She's, she's awesome. In. So I, I said something, and he, he said, he told her, that's the guy that does the podcast. I said, I'm doing one today, and I told him I was meeting you, and he goes, oh, she goes, oh, yeah, I know her. So She's so dang awesome. Yeah. Like, I can't tell these guys enough at work. I'm like, your spouses, like are superheroes like you should go home and pick up <laughs> coffee and donuts and flowers every day because they're freaking rock stars we um he convinced me you know we've worked together a few times and he convinced me to do a half marathon i hadn't ran uh in a, in a bit um i did a few halves in florida but it's all below sea level and flat, flat. <laughs> yeah yep and uh so i was like well i don't know jesse i think i gotta train for it and he was uh, he was my hype man he was like come on i got it i'd see him at the hospital he's like all right you're doing it. You look good. Keep going. And I was like, yeah, man, I ran 11 miles today. He's like, yeah, yeah, keep it up, keep it up. And uh, maybe ran into him about a week before the race. It was at Pocahontas, one of his trail runs. Oh. And um, he was like, oh, you know, you ready? And I was like, oh, not really, but, you know, we're just going to do it and see how it goes. Worst case scenario, I just got to walk a little bit here and there. He's like, okay. I was like, are we meeting somewhere? Or you want it? He's like, oh, I can't. Uh, I got hurt a while ago. I'm not. <laughs> oh, nice. I was like. Thanks, pal. You, you hyped me up, buddy. Thanks, Thank pal. you. Yeah, he's training and for a marathon now, I think. He's yeah, told he, yeah, he got into the ultra stuff. Uh, like, him and Holly were there. And he, I guess that day, he's like, I think I'm going to do it. And she gave him his bib or her bib. And he ran. And she was just, she's freaking cheerleader is what it ends up tying up to. Like, she had trained. She's standing there. She's giving water. I was like, this is so awesome. And then I got, like, 500 feet away from her and I'm like I need to go (laughs) and just hang out with Holly for a little bit she needs to run with me (laughs) this is the only way it's going to happen if she's right there there you go all right well let's start uh 
from the beginning, how, you know, where did you come from? You, you're, you're not a Virginia native. I am not. So I was born in Miami, Florida, born and raised in Miami, Florida, about 20 plus years there. Um, my father is from Nicaragua and my mom is from El Salvador. So are so. they, did they, were they born there and they, they immigrated? Yes. Before yeah. you were born? Yeah, they were Cali folks for a br- brief moment or Los Angeles and then uh, moved over to South Florida where they started their life. What did they do for, for work or did they school? Um, yeah, my dad uh, started flooring company. Uh-huh. So he does flooring, tile, all that stuff. Um, and then my mom works at a bank and she processes like these big business loans and all that cool stuff. Oh, but cool. They, yeah. So you grew up in South Florida. In Miami. There you go. Yep. And uh, after uh, school, what did, what did what career path had you started going down? Well, during school, we had a program where you were doing a, like a preschool education major kind of a deal. And I started going to that. I did all four years. I was learning sign language. I did that four years, and I was really fascinated with all that. I'm like, yeah, I think teaching's my thing. That's my jam. And I don't know, I think high school teacher, you know, pissed me off. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I was just like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And I enrolled in college, and I was like, I'm going to do psychology. Definitely going to do psychology. And then uh, took a class. I won't get into specifics, but I was like, you know what? I could actually be a therapist. This would be pretty neat. And I got my associates in that. And then transferred over to FIU and I was like no teaching's where it's at and so started pursuing that and um while I was doing all the education stuff or taking classes rather I was also working at a exceptional student education school so ESE so I had a quite a bit of spectrum there with the kids so is that like an advanced placement kind of uh or it's more on the autism okay. side yeah so special needs kind of mm-hmm. so, okay yeah so it was kind of neat seeing the sign language tie in with that and other languages and uh, all that other stuff, and mm-hmm. around that time, I also started crossfitting, so I was really active with them and trying to learn the PT side. I was like, "Oh, that's what the therapist is doing. I'll try that too." And so, so you were integrating physical therapy with the teaching. Was yeah. that how it was working? Yeah, basically, like whatever the child was doing with therapist, I was like, "Hey, if you guys just tell me what you're doing, I can try to keep that going in class." You know, and I was just curious. I'm a bit, very curious person. And I was like, why, 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 how? Okay, let me try it. So, there you go. yeah. So, psychology, early kind of preschool teaching. Mm-hmm. I see I see the clear connection to the fire service here in, in at least a couple <laughs> of different ways. So. Yeah. So, what? how did you get uh, pointed in the direction of public safety? Uh, well, I was single at the time, and a lot of the teachers there, every time, you know, because we have the wider range of, that spectrum of population and uh we'd have uh, miami-dade fire rescue come by pretty often and they were out there like get yourself a bombero go get <laughs> yourself a firefighter i was like no i'm okay i just just want to do this <laughs> trying so, to fix you up were they yeah and then um friends like that yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh they weren't even attractive so it wasn't gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding sorry mdfr um no that, that it, was miami-dade fire rescue that little <laughs> f- that little fire department down in south florida the really big one no. <laughs> two thousand and some odd people yeah. yeah yeah no they were they were great but it just that situation never warranted for yeah. outside conversation um and then i think one day i was just like i think i could do that do that job yeah do that i could i could do the medical side and you know lift heavy stuff it was crossfitting so i had drank the kool-aid and i was like i could do all the heavy <laughs> things yeah 
And jumped in. And then I just jumped in. Well, Sandy Hook happened, and that kind of catapulted a lot of things for me. Yeah, Sandy Hook was the school shooting up in Connecticut, was it? Connecticut. I think I wrote it down here. Connecticut in uh, Newtown in 2012. Yeah, so. December 2012. So what, what about that kind of triggered you to kind of do uh, something different? I felt like it kind of hit close to home, even though it was the whole other state. But, you know, that whole day we were in the classroom. We were in a bubble. You don't look at your phone. You're working. You know, it's, it was great staff at the academy I was at and great kids. And we were getting ready. It was a Friday Friday afternoon and or end of the week. We were going to Christmas break and um, we're focusing on our Christmas show. And I didn't look at my phone, nothing. I got in the car and I was like, okay, setting up. It was 5 or 6 o'clock. I was running to grab some pizza for the kids and came back and... I was listening to all this news, and it was a lot to process. I was like, wow, that could happen to anybody, any one of us in this classroom, you know, and um, your mind starts rolling, like, what would I do, you know, what could have been done beforehand, and then you start thinking about all these first responders that are running in and trying to make a difference, and, you know, um, it took me a little bit, like, a little while afterwards, and it was almost like a, I think I could do a little bit more than what I'm doing now. I liked what I was doing. I liked teaching. I still do. But it felt like there was still something lacking. I think that was like a little light switch that kind of came on. And then I remember, again, from the teachers, you know, when it medical calls at our school, you know, like, why don't you, you know, flirt with that <laughs> one? I was like, no, but I think I might try the medical stuff, though. So I signed up at a college uh, up the road, um, IMD College, signed up for an EMT class. And it's uh, basically three portions or three sections. It's the way it's split. So you have a lecture part, your clinical part where you're at the hospital, and then your field rotations and you're at a fire station. And that was it. So how, lo how long was that program? Was that a uh, couple of semesters? Or that was a, a semester. A sem one semester. A that semester. was just basic EMT? Yeah, basic EMT. Cool. Um, so I really liked that. And then I realized, talking to some folks, um, especially at the fire station, they're like, hey, our department kind of hires if you're pre-cert. So they don't really hire anybody that's just not certified. So like if your next best bet is to get your firefighter one and two certification. And Miami-Dade College offers that opportunity. You just have to pay for the class. And it's a full-time job, or full-time, basically. So you, working was not really a question there. Monday through Friday, uh, on paper, I think it says like eight to five. In reality, it was like seven to six and then Miami traffic is insane so and that adds another couple of hours on yeah, side. yeah 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 um and that was again like a what three or four months of your time just living eating breathing fire stuff so that was a basically a full-time college load for a, one semester to get both of those certifications or did you have to go it was multiple? another it was another yeah so the EMT was one semester and then the fire cert was a whole other Mm -hmm. um, and that was your firefighter one and two, wildland, hazmat, and pretty much the stuff that Chesterfield covers when you go through their recruit school. So you came out of that with all the, all the, your tickets punched with all the basic certifications ready to go. Yeah. And then I realized some of those departments down there don't hire every year or every few months. And it was highly competitive. So I was like, well, I'm, while I'm here, I might as well keep getting better and keep learning. Um, so I signed up for a paramedic and I told myself if I didn't, if I wasn't a paramedic, a certified paramedic firefighter by the end of, I think it was 2016, beginning of 2017, I was like, it's just not for me. It's not in my stars. It's just, it is what it is. And um, 
that worked out, and it was pretty awesome. Yeah. And I'd hang out. I probably did, I think the paper certification says, like, I did 1,100 hours. I was like, I think I probably did more. I'd hang around the fire station pretty often. That unofficial training hours that go into. Yeah. I was like, I can run this call with you guys. They're like, you should probably go home. I was like, no, I'm okay. So, There's nothing there. So could you ri- ride with them or run calls with them, even not as a not as an employee? As a as a paramedic student, student. I was part of my rotations. Yeah. So you got to sp- you got to experience the job. Yeah, okay. yeah, and those guys, um, I gotta say it, highly a fire department. They're awesome, city of Miami guys. They are. I I love this profession, but those guys were the ones that were like, they had my back. They were the big brothers. They were teasing me, but they were also helping me with rhythms and, you know, medicine, paramedic, all that stuff is, it's a whole other language, um, especially when you first start and they were stand up and they were so patient. I mean, so, so patient with me. What, what part of your training, was there anything in your training in those first uh, couple of semesters that really stood out as um, either really big challenges for you or that this is a piece of cake? I got I, this 12 lead EKG rhythm reading thing. I got this down. This is easy. Um, I realized it wasn't so bad because I spoke Spanish. So I was able to tie in a lot of the language stuff. I was like, oh, I can remember this. This will be easy for the test. It wasn't so difficult. Um, the 12 lead thing was completely uh, foreign to me and the dopamine clock. Once we got to dopamine, I was like, yep, it's done. I'm just not meant to be a paramedic. I'm <laughs> me- not for med me. math. Yep. Med math. That's, uh, might as well be trigonometry and yep. figuring out how to get to the moon. Huh? Yeah, I've been trying to figure this out for the past like five years. It's not happening. <laughs> still got, still. Yeah. That's why. That's why they make the apps and the note cards. Yep. 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 Um, but I think the one of the highlights that kind of stands out to me was when I was doing fire academy. And I guess I probably could have been pushed over and just called it quits and said, "Hey, it's just not for me." Um, all the guys and gals that were in that academy were class of thirty some people. Um, I did have a few folks that kind of pushed me outside of my comfort zone, some of my peers, and I'm obviously not very tall, and I don't have a lot of upper body. It's all lower body, so I remember having to do, we'd do circuit training, and uh, some of the guys, I was one of the crew leaders, and some of the guys would think it was fun to kind of lift the ladder up, and we had to walk around, so I'm taking two steps and hopping up, trying to grab trying a to ladder, grab hopping <laughs> up and grab a ladder. Um, so that's part of that. Uh, I think it was just a little bit of friendly hazing. Mild harassment that uh, goes along with being in the job, I think. Yeah, yeah just I, I didn't take it personally. I was just like, okay, that's kind of a jerk move, but it's okay. I got you, buddy. I got <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Don't don't blink. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Uh, so you you graduated. That, that, that then made you eligible to get hired in Miami-Dade or I mean, Hialeah? I, I th- or? Yeah, I think it made me more uh, appeasing to the eye where my application kind of stood out a little bit more. Um, Do they hire anyone without, I mean, coming in cold off the street with nothing? Every so often. Every so often, it seems. Um, and I think um, there's an agency right now that opened up their application process to folks who might not have all their certs or, or may have some of the certs, but not quite all of them. Um, so I've got all my certs. I was really excited. I was like, this is going to put me over. Everyone's going to see I'm the one that they want on their team. Um <laughs> Uh, City of Miami opened up their application process. I didn't realize, again, my naivety, how competitive it was. I think that time around when I applied, they were looking for a class of like 20-something. I was like, oh, I got this. It's not a big deal. Uh, went in, did my written exam. I was super pumped and looked at my emails and I said, thank you. 
However, uh, maybe just try again next time. And I was like, oh, man, that's terrible. Basically, I think there were a little over 1,200 applicants, and I was like number 1,300. I, was, it was, I wasn't even on the spectrum. They weren't even looking at me. I was like, okay. Sounds great, guys. <laughs> so you, they'd have to go through several recruit schools to get to, to you. Yeah. On the, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it is a competitive job. I'm sure it's, uh, I mean, that many people applying for that few slots. It's uh, yeah, yeah. tough to get on. Some of the, the guys back home, they kept encouraging me, and a lot of the ones that I really bonded with um, were part of the USAR team. Mm -hmm. So they were part of Task Force 1 or 2, depending on the department, and they kind of guided me, and I was like, you know, I really dig the whole USAR thing. And um, I remember going on governmentjobs.com and typing in fire departments and looking at, you know, agencies all across the country. And then I saw Fairfax. I was like, I remember one of the guys telling me that Fairfax had a really good USAR team. And, um, you know, applied for them and then sc kept scrolling and saw Chesterfield. It's like, same thing, right? Yeah. Um, not realizing. I'm like, it's just a city. It's not a big thing. And I didn't realize how different the cities and the populations and all that stuff was. Um, and did a little more research, did a little more reading, and I kind of felt that Chesterfield was probably a better fit for me, and everything just kind of worked out after that. So, did did you did you apply to Fairfax at all, or did you? I withdrew my application okay. I, after a little bit of reading and stuff. I realized I think their department's like over a thousand people, and I'm right. like, I am going to slip through the cracks, and I'm never gonna get to what to do what I'd like to do ultimately I don't think so you went to Chesterfield what was your um so you applied what was your first impression like when you came came up came north from uh, South Florida it's cold it's cold <laughs> yeah as we sit yeah. here in June yeah well right now it's really hot it's wicked hot but uh I think I had to fly up in February end of January February I was flying up once a month. Yeah, I was like, this is really cold. Can I really do this right now? We actually have seasons up here. Yeah. It's a couple of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Um, sometimes you have all four seasons in a day. <laughs> in a day, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was my first impression was it was really cold. And um, cultural, there's a little bit of a difference. So I'd go to the gas station or the store when I checked into the hotel and stuff, and people hold the door open and say good morning. I kind of jump back, like, what do you want? I got my, <laughs> I don't have anything. I'm broke. Don't, don't even look at me. Like, you know, I was just so nervous. And they're like, whoa, we're just saying good morning, ma'am. And I was like, who's ma'am? <laughs> like looking over my shoulder and getting all nervous. And I realized like, oh, wow. They were actually just saying, hey, holding a door. That's so nice. So is that the biggest, I guess, uh, regionally cultural difference just found between uh, the think populace of South Florida versus up here? Yeah, I think that was pretty, pretty different. Yeah. I was the one that stood out to me. I was like, Mom, someone said good morning to me. She's like, oh, my God, don't give him your number. I'm like, you just said good morning. That was it. Um, but, yeah. That's neat. Well, what's, uh, what was your first uh, steps in the process to Chesterfield like? Um, it was, I think they kind of had to make a little bit of changes for me because I wasn't around here. It's not like I could drive the 30 minutes or hour and, and get fitted for uniform or come back and get a fingerprinted and all that stuff. Um, so, so that was really nice that they were accommodating. They were like, we'll try to do like chunks at a time so you're not flying. I think I ended up flying up maybe four or five times. So you racked up a couple of frequent fly miles in there. I did. I did. Um, so while I was in paramedic school, I had to quit teaching, and I um, ended up serving as a server at a barbecue joint, a local barbecue place. 
So I was hustling. I was like, <laughs> don't worry, I got to pay my paramedic classes and I also got to survive and I also got to hustle for some of these, you know, flights and stuff. And I kid you not, every time I needed 150 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever the flight was at that time, I'd come home, count my tips. And I was like, wow, this is perfect, actually. I have like a dollar left over. I have 25 cents left over. Like it was, it was, it just fit. So I didn't really question it too much. Yeah. Um, but flew up a few times, um, did the PAT. Um, the physical abilities test. Yes. Yes. Did that. And I remember the panel interview with everybody sitting around the table. I think that was the most nerve wracking. And I remember waking up that morning and my legs were not working like legit. They were shaking. I was like, wow, this is the first time I have to grab railings to move right now. This is so And it wasn't because of a CrossFit workout. No, it was <laughs> not. It was not. Um, but I was so, so dang nervous and walked in there. And um, the lady at the time, I guess she was out and there was like a temporary attempt filling in. And I remember her name, Wendy. And she was doing stuff. And I'm just like trying to breathe and not freak out and say something dumb or do something dumb or break out in a rash because I'm known to do that. And um, she legit just stopped. She's like, I feel like I got to talk to you. I was like, that's a really great feeling, and I will entertain that. And so we chatted for a little bit, and that kind of calmed me, put me at ease. Went into the um, panel, you know, the interview in the conference room, and and it was good. So how long ago was that? What year? That was... uh, about May of 2017, yeah. and then I think they emailed me back something about me uh, getting a physical, a doctor's physical, and getting measured for uniforms. And I remember like emailing back like, "Does this mean I have a job? Because if not, I kind of need to know what, what to do with my life." And uh, basically, they were like, "Yeah, fly up. You got to get fitted." They, they, I think the official was they couldn't tell you you're got a job until after your physical, but yeah, they, yeah, they. Don't want you to not come and get your physical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, that's that's what she told me, and so I came on up and got all my stuff, and and I was like, if everything turns out well, which it will, um, uh, when does when's the expected start date? I think that was like the end of May or so. And they're like, oh, you'll start in July. I was like, oh, so I have a month to 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 move to do everything. Um, but luckily, throughout the process, um, you can ask my mom. It was just on faith and a gut feeling. I was like, I think this is kind of working. And this is where I'm supposed to be just because of the, you know, having to pay for flights and just folks that I was meeting along the way and all that. I think Chesterfield came up on a documentary I was watching one day. I was like, that's so funny. Chesterfield, out of all the agencies, this is what came up. But um, anyways, I had been packing up and giving away things. I gave away my mountain bike. Um, My dad was really heartbroken about that. He's like, you just gave it away. I was like, yeah, just some guy at work needed it. So. You got another uh, one yet? Not yet. <laughs> I know. It's been like four years, you too. You got to get one and get riding in Pocahontas. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard it's good, it's too. Awesome. But gave away all my stuff. And so by the time they're like, yeah, you're kind of hired, but you got to wait for those results, I started packing stuff up. I was like, go. started yeah. looking for jobs or apartments, and it was, it was good. And then uh, loaded it all in a moving van and uh, came, came north. In a 2007 Toyota Corolla. Yeah, not everything that fit in there. Not what? much of a moving van. Not much of a moving van. And I heard, I remember you telling me your dad drove with you up, so it was two of you in the car with all your worldly possessions at that point. Yeah, right? I had like a set of plates. My mom bought me some utensils, a uh, set of towels, a shower curtain. I was like, okay, okay, I think I can make this work. And like three yoga mats. You know, first night in the apartment, we slept on the yoga mats and. Uh, 
eventually my dad, you know, drove back down, came back home, and it was just me. And I was like, well, I think I should do an air mattress or something, you know. Yoga mat on the carpet probably is not the best thing. Starting recruit school, you know, thinking back yeah. to the Miami days, I was like, well, it's gonna, it's going to hurt this time around. <laughs> so I went ahead and bought a air mattress. And that's what I slept what slept on during recruit school. But so did you, you went through a full recruit school? They've done some pre-cert classes. You went through the, the full f- smash, the full shebang. Yeah. So, uh, what was different about that recruit school versus what you did in Florida? They were nice. They were nice. Florida yeah. was nice, or we were nice. Chesterfield was uh, nice. Chesterfield nice. was nice. Yeah, I think they realized like they can't bust us, but so much because we still have to like come out to ops. And Work for 20, 25 years. Oh, and those <laughs> those instructors are actually out in ops, and you might be working beside them yeah, one day. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. What about the recruit school was uh, most impactful for you, do you think? Uh, either – well, you didn't – obviously, did you have to go back through EMT school as well, or did, uh, no. did, they, did the state give you uh, reciprocity? No, no, it was a jump through a few hurdles. Um, and then by the time I came out in ops, that's a whole other story, but it kind of complicated some stuff. Um, but with our class, we had a lot of EMT certified people, so they did like a week refresher, and we went right into the fireside. We got you. Um, so coming out of recruit school, where did you wind up? 24A. That's the courthouse and Route and 360. Yep, yep. They have the, one of those ambulance things there too, don't they? They do. 10-hour medic, Monday through Friday. There you go. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember getting that assignment, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's a really good house. I was like, what What are they doing putting me there? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no, they, they run some calls, and they gave me a few examples, and I was like, I got to work with those those heroes. Uh, this is this is very, very, uh, okay, yeah, okay, okay. And it took me a little bit to process, like, my assignment, and then I realized the hell of a crew. I got very lucky with the crew I first came out with. What, uh, what was your first, yeah, you say it's a little bit of nervousness going out there to the first few shifts. What uh, what were those like from a work perspective? Was it a whirlwind? Did it? Uh, did you wind up running any calls, you know, oh, remember? Yeah, we started, um, I think it was like the week of Christmas. So everybody's on vacation. We kept having these uh, just meshed up crews and stuff. And um, so I, I never really had my crew for, I think, maybe about three weeks. And finally everybody was back. But we ran calls. I was like, wow, this is actually busy. This is normal. I love this. Um, so we were doing that, and I never knew where I was. That's probably what stands out to me. Like, to this day, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the structure fire, and, and we did this, this, and that. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's off of such and such road. I'm like, I don't know, buddy. <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, no, it was. I was there. You saw me there. I was like, I didn't know where I was on all firemen looked the same to me that first year or two. <laughs> I was like, I did not. You had one of those yellow helmets and the coat thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you had an air pack, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I remember you now. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I never knew where I was. They're like, you're – I'm like, I'm on uh, that 150 place. They're like, no, you're on 288. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's where I'm at. A little geographically challenged being in a new neighborhood kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Has that gotten better, I hope? Yes. Kind of know where you're at now, at least. Somewhat. So now you now that you know where you're at, now it's time to go to Ettrick or yeah, that's what exactly somewhere, what's gonna happen. <laughs> somewhere else that you got to learn the streets again. I'm in the Central Battalion. We're gonna go down south and relearn everything. There you go. So, um, so you're 
parents, you got any other siblings? Are they still uh, in Florida? Uh, my parents are still in Florida. I have two younger sisters. Um, one is turning 30 this year. She's excited about that. And she lives up in Wisconsin. Yeah. Now you're talking cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she moved up in December. And I think in the middle of a like, snowstorm. I'm like, you're nuts. Yeah. I got some friends up there in Wisconsin. I'm like, how much <laughs> snow did you get this week? Oh, we only got about a, a foot and a half. It's like, yeah. you're killing me. Yeah. yeah. She took pictures. She's like, I'm going to go for a walk. I can finally walk today. And it looked like there was a foot of snow. I'm like, that doesn't look like fun. <laughs> um, and then I have a younger sister. She just moved up. She's in the Midlow area. Um, she moved up earlier this year, and she's what about twenty five or so. So, she's uh, what's she doing up here? She looking for a, a job, or does she come? Work no, she came up. She uh, finished sc- her schooling. She's a, uh, I can't screw this up. A radiologist. Okay. Yeah, she'll get very upset with me. She's probably listening right now. Uh-oh. Um, but yeah, radiologist. So she does all the X ray, CT, MRIs, all that smart, fancy stuff. Neat. Yeah. Um. Obviously, your parents uh, immigrated here in your Hispanic heritage. Does that give you any kind of a, have you been able to employ that in the field at all? I know we've got a, a fairly big Hispanic population in parts of the county. Have, uh, have you been able to use your Spanish there? Um, not as much as uh, one would think. I think it's just the, the assignments I've had haven't really been in the that area, the areas where I get to speak a lot of Spanish. Um I have worked overtime or gotten detailed out, so I always think it's pretty neat when I get to speak Spanish and help. Not like the, ouch, my tummy hurts, but the legit calls where you're like, I really need some answers right now. I really want to help you. Yeah. Have you ever sat back and listened and they don't know you can speak Spanish and you're kind of eavesdropping? Yeah. 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 There was a fire marshal in the office that did that Mm -hmm. at an inspection one time. and At the end of it, he started speaking right back to them in Spanish and all their eyes went, uh (laughs) uh-oh, he knew what we were saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Well, any uh, since you've been out um, out in the field now for what almost three years, two years, four years this summer, four years. Yeah. Four years. Um, any big calls that really stick out in your mind that uh, you think uh, you learned a lot on, or you think you did, uh, you and your crew did a really great job, and you feel like you accomplished something? Uh, that's kind of a tough one. I I feel like. Of course, everyone wants to say this really cool fire we had or whatever. And, yeah, we did run quite a bit of fire, but I think the ones that ultimately made the bigger impacts were those EMS calls. Um, And I think, I don't know, I think the fire service is pretty neat because you bring together four or five people, you know, from completely different backgrounds. And then, you know, the frap drops, the tones drop, you got to jump on the ride, and you go out and work, for example, full arrest. And all of a sudden, none of that's, background stuff matters in fact you know just it's so fluid it's almost like a dance um so watching that and hearing that and and being able to witness that i think sometimes regardless of the circumstances or outcome because you can't control that um i think we do a hell of a job for the most part so that's pretty neat to to watch and to see but no call in particular that i jump out no one but uh um joy wallace chief wallace who kind of connected us um She's the training chief, and uh, Ivy sat to her and said, hey, I want to talk to some some of the new folks just to get a different perspective. And she connected me with you and a couple other folks, and she, one of her comments was that you're becoming quite the instructor. <laughs> so you, she apparently you're going back and teaching some at the recruit schools as well? Yeah. How's yeah. that going? It's pretty neat. Um, I, I really like teaching. I feel 
it's just, it's always been there. You can ask my parents. There's pictures of me teaching algebra to my youngest sister. She's sitting there like eating a popsicle and diapers. I'm like, don't worry, you're going to get this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so teaching was always like a, something I really enjoyed. Um, and then being on the other side of that, you know, helping folks kind of understand. It does feel like a learning a completely different language, whether it's the EMS side or the fire side. So so you, how much how much of the skills you had as in your training to be a teacher translates into the teaching firefighters? Is it pretty much the same skill it's, set? It's the same thing, other than sometimes I can drop a cuss bomb or something. like. Really? Yeah. You can't do I that in front of kids? Yeah. yeah you can once, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I try not to. I try to keep professional. <laughs> I think I changed it to Holy Cheez-Its. So that's like a thing. Um, wow. So, um, you, what, what would you, what would you tell somebody, you know, from my generation that's either about to retire, just retired, about your generation of firefighters coming on? What's the, what do you think that us old guys and gals don't understand about the this next generation? Because we, we always had it in the fire station. All these new people, these young people come on. They don't. They're this. They're that. They had their own opinions. Uh, and after talking to a couple of you and knowing some of you, I, I don't think the differences are that great. But what do you think, from your perspective, that all of us old retirees and about to be retired folks should know? I kind of feel in the middle right now, caught between two worlds, because I had a lot of old school guys teach me stuff. And then learning things that the younger folks are coming in, like when I go back to teach EMT school. Um, and I think they're most of their programming, they're really swaying towards technology. Like EMT, they're using iPads and apps and websites. And I remember having a book. And it was a thick book, but, I, you know, and then I talked to the older folks or the retired people, and they're like, yeah, my book was like a little workbook. It was in about 40 pages long. So it's it's funny. Um, so I guess maybe my whole thing is maybe just be a little patience with, patient with the folks coming in. It's two different worlds. Almost, but don't be afraid to call them out. Yeah, we don't be afraid to call me out. There you go. Um, kind of last question for you. What advice would you give somebody who's not in this service, who's kind of is in that position you were as a when you were teaching, thinking, hey, I think this is this may be something I'd be interested in. What uh, what piece of advice would you give them? Uh, trust your gut. And if it feels right, do it. Jump in. Don't look back. It's it truly is the greatest job in the world. What's uh what's your plan? Are you looking to be an officer or move up in ranks or like every firefighter I've ever known, I'm going to be a firefighter forever. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't I'm not sure. Right now I'm just working on some career development stuff. Um I'm digging the teaching, so that's been pretty neat. Um and I think going back to teaching always kind of bring, brings you back to learning some of the basics or throwing ladders or going down a basic assessment. I'm like, yeah, I did forget that. That's a good one. Um, so it kind of keeps me humble, but as far as professionally, I just I just joined the peer support team, so that's pretty neat. Oh, there you go. Yeah. A anything else you think you want to share and people let people know about you or or uh, your job or your history? Uh, nothing. I, I guess the other piece of advice or it's just folks coming in. Um, some days are harder than others. Don't give up, man. It's it's really worth it. You know, the older folks that I worked with um, down in South Florida, they told me it's truly the greatest job in the world and have pride in that. Then you go department pride. Chesterfield's the friggin' best department in the world. Then you go down, you know, A shift. A shift, that's that's your shift. You know, that's where it's at. Sorry, guys. 
uh, B shift, C shift, A shift is really where it's at. And then you go down, you know, to your station and then your crew and you have, you know, it just starts trickling down. It's this little upside down pyramid and have pride in everything you do. Just don't give up. But. Well, cool. Well, Liz Fuentes, firefighter paramedic in Chesterfield. Thanks for uh, being here. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the Firehouse Logbook Podcast, and thanks uh, again to Lisette Fuentes for uh, spending some time with me this afternoon and talking about her career and how she got involved in the fire service. An interesting story for sure. And I'd like to hear from the listeners as well. If you got any ideas or suggestions or even smart remarks uh, from the fire service, I welcome those as well. You can shoot me an email at firehouselogbook at gmail.com or follow along on Twitter at FDLogbook. The Instagram page is at FD Logbook Podcast. But probably the best place to follow what's happening with this uh, podcast is check us, check us out on Facebook. You can look up uh, FD Logbook or search Firehouse Logbook Podcast. Make sure you follow that page and you can put some faces with some of the voices you've been hearing in all of the episodes so far. Thank you.